stand together this morning. Amen. I am happy to be in the house of the Lord. And good to see all of you here today. Amen. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord. How many of you can say that God's been good to you? Amen. He's good all the time, isn't he? If you have your Bibles this morning, open them with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to begin reading with verse number 15, read through verse 20. Now, while you're turning there, let me tell you that I'm going to just try to finish what I started last Sunday. Last Sunday, I got started and the Holy Ghost took me in a completely different direction from what I was planning on going and uh, really changed my train of thought about what I was teaching. So I have approached this uh, message today from a different viewpoint, a different understanding of the scriptures than I had before, but I still think that there are things that are pertinent here that needs to be preached, that needs to be brought out. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 15, verses 15 through 20. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. I am going to teach or preach again this morning on the subject of heart attack, heart attack. Lord, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your presence here in this service. I pray you'd help us now as we endeavor to minister what you've laid upon our hearts, and we're going to thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Friday morning of this week. I was uh, on my phone, it just hit me, that's kind of a funny statement, isn't it? I wasn't standing on my phone, I wasn't sitting on it, but I was on my phone. I was looking at Facebook, uh, I've told you before, I am considered to be a stalker because I, I just read what other people post, I don't do a whole lot of posting myself, but I was reading, and one of uh, our uh, pastors here in the district, a young man by the name of Seth Wilkerson, who is also our district youth secretary, he had reposted a post by uh, one of our pastors named Mark Johnson, who pastors in Bartlett, Tennessee, and this is what Brother Johnson said. He said, I'm always surprised when someone tells me they think living for God is hard. That's not my experience at all. I love living for God. This is the best life there is. Living life is hard, but having Jesus in it makes it much easier. 
Now, I read that, and that statement resonated with me because I, too, hate it when people try to make living for God hard. I want to tell you this morning, living for God is not hard. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. But living for God is joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible says there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. But the righteous have hearts that are kept by the peace of God which passeth all understanding. So don't you come telling me that living for God is hard. It's not hard. But I'll tell you, it is intensive. It does take intentionality. Nobody is going to make it to heaven by accident. Nobody is going to walk with God by chance. You've got to make up your mind. It takes some concentration and some very careful consideration. But not because God's ways are hard, but it's because life is hard. I don't know if you are aware of it or not this morning, but there is a war going on. And you and I are right in the very middle of that war. And the prize that is being fought for is the throne of our heart. Every day we have to fight to decide who it will be that will sit upon the throne of our hearts and control our actions our reactions, our thoughts, and our speech. Every day we have to resist the devil, we have to overcome the world, and we have to crucify the flesh. I'm, taking, I'm telling you, it takes intentionality to live for God. You've got to make up your mind. You've got to decide who you are and who you want to be. There's world out there that's pulling us in every sea, every direction possible. But you've got to decide who you want to be. Last Sunday we talked about the fact that God has given to us a new heart. When we were born again of water and of the Spirit, our hearts, the Bible teaches us, were, was, were transformed. The love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit resides within our hearts. The Spirit of Christ dwells within us. And the Bible teaches that we are actually the body of Christ in the earth. So I'm telling you this morning on the authority of the Word of God, whenever you are born again, whenever you become a child of God, your heart is basically good. Your heart is pure and it is clean. But the problem is we have adversaries. We're fighting battles. This world is full of outside influences that have the power and the potential to influence and even ravage our very hearts. I'm telling you, life is hard. And with the passing of time, if there's not some intentional efforts on our part to change it, 
we develop habits that gradually erode our heart's sensitivity. The pain and disappointments of life can cause us to erect walls around our hearts and eventually if we just ignore these problems and leave them alone, then these heart attackers can cause incredible damage to our hearts. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We all know of situations like this, but this is one that I am very familiar with. It's a man by the name of Don Hill. I grew up, probably known Don Hill almost all my life. Um, his son, Don Jr., was the one that asked me to go to the altar the first time I ever went to the altar. Brother Don Sr. was the one who led singing in our uh, church. Uh, he and my dad and uh, Sister Flowers' dad were basically responsible for building the original church there in Jackson, the Calvary Church there in Jackson. Uh, so that family uh, was very close to me, and I, I, they mean a lot to me. And Don Sr. loved his oldest boy. Well, he loved all of his children. He had four children. But uh, Don Jr. was kind of uh, the one that uh, he was good at sports. Uh, he was a real good baseball player. He was a good basketball player. He was a good football player. Uh, and, and Don Sr. just uh, kind of uh, worshipped the ground that Don Jr. walked on. Um, as Don, got, Don Jr. got older, he got out of church and quit going to church. And one night he was refereeing a basketball game at Northside High School. And he felt a little bit of pain in his chest. Uh, but he didn't think anything about it. He mentioned it to somebody, but he didn't do anything about it. And after that game was over, he went into the locker room and sat down and had a massive heart attack and died right there in that locker room. Well, it devastated his dad. It devastated Don Sr. And Don Sr. quit going to church. Evidently, he blamed God for that boy's death. And he got to where he wouldn't even talk to anybody about going to church. And as far as I know, he never went back to church again until he went for his own funeral service. But I, I, I thought about that situation. What happened to Don Sr.'s son was a tragedy. It's one of the hardest things that life can throw at you. But let me tell you, the greatest tragedy of that entire situation was that Don Sr. allowed something to get into his heart. He allowed some bitterness. He allowed some anger towards God to get past his defenses to get past that guard that he should have set up to uh, protect his heart. It got past all of that, and it got into his heart. Don Sr. lost out on that wonderful work that God had done in his heart so many years ago when he filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
That's what happens when things get in people's heart. I wonder, I couldn't help but think how many people there are out there right now people that you can think of, people that will come to your mind right now who used to attend this very church, people who walked with God, people who were filled with the Spirit, but they're not here today. They're not serving God anymore. They don't come to church anymore. They don't pray anymore. They don't worship God anymore. And the reason is very simple. It's because they let their defensives down and something somebody said, something somebody did or didn't do got into their heart and it destroyed their walk with God. I'm afraid this morning that there's a long list of people outside of the church today because they simply fail to monitor their heart. And I want to tell you, I, I really believe there's a reason why people don't monitor their hearts. The reason, I, I think, is because we were never taught to do that. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. From the time most of us were old enough to understand anything, we were taught to monitor our behavior, not our heart. If we behave properly, then good things happen regardless of what was going on in our hearts. And if we behaved badly, you know, there were some things that happened. We received the recompense of our actions in ways that made us understand very well that we needed to change our ways, change our behavior. But even though we received correction for those things that we did wrong, most of the time, very seldom was anything ever said about what was in our hearts that made us act that way to begin with. It was all about our behavior. It was all about our actions. We modified our actions to avoid pain, and it's something we've been doing ever since. So what's happened is that we have become much better at monitoring our behavior than we have at monitoring our hearts. It's kind of like what I talked about a couple of weeks ago. We deal with symptoms rather than dealing with the root problem. I remember, and I, I mentioned this to you, but Brother Richardson sat with me in my, our home in, in Kenya and, and in the process of dealing with some situations that had arisen in the church, he told me and, and said some things to me that I thought were very wise and gave me some very uh, helpful uh, direction. Brother Richardson said, Walter, you need to, no, in dealing with people, most of the time, the problem is not the problem. Most of the time, what you see on the surface is just a representation of something deeper that's down inside that's causing that particular action. 
The problem is not the problem. You see, this morning we need to understand the problem is not so much that you're lying. The problem is what's gotten into your heart that's causing you to lie. The problem is not really your constant quarreling and fighting with people around you. It's the anger and the hatred that's causing you to quarrel and fight. Your problem this morning is not so much your obsession with pornography. It's the lust that has gotten in your heart that causes you to look at that stuff. The problem is not that you fail to pay your tithes. The problem is that The doubt, there's doubt and unbelief that's gotten into your heart that won't let you believe that God will provide for you all your needs according to His riches and glory. The problem is not the problem. The problem is the heart. And here's the thing. These unresolved issues that get down in our hearts we don't do something about them, eventually they will work their way to the surface. They will seep into our actions. They will influence our character, and they will damage our relationships. If we don't deal with the issues of our hearts, things will not get better. They will get worse and worse until we are no longer able to hide the condition of our heart. I want to say this this morning, and I I, I want you to remember it. If you don't remember anything else, you want to write it down. I want you to remember this. Eventually, you become what's in your heart. Let Let me tell you something that I have learned. And I hesitated to say this because I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to be able to tell you this, but it's the truth. I want to tell you something that I have learned from personal experience. Now, I could stand up here this morning and pretend like I got it all together and, and uh, I never have any problems with my flesh. I never have any problems with the devil. I never have any problems with the pull of the world. I could stand up here and make you think and uh, that, boy, this guy is perfect, but I'm not. I'm human just like you are. And, and be honest with you, I don't, I don't like pastors who put on a facade and, and try to make themselves out of, to be something right next to God. That's not who we are. We're all just human beings. We're men and women. So this morning, I'm going to tell you something that I have learned by experience. I want you to know that it's the people closest to you that usually catch the most flack from the stuff that we try so hard to keep hidden out of sight so that nobody can see it. It doesn't come out among our casual acquaintances. It doesn't appear in social settings. It comes out when we get comfortable, when we get home, and we take off our facades, and when we have turned off the safety valve, and we have let our defenses down, 
that's when what's really in there comes out. That's why we hurt usually. We hurt most those people we love most. Amen. Have you ever been have you ever been in a situation where you're mad and you don't know why you're mad? Have you ever felt discontent and there's really no reason for you to feel that way? Have you ever felt like that and, and then get to sit down and, and examining your life and you got everything in the world to be happy about, but you're just not happy? Have you ever felt resentful towards certain people even though you know they haven't done anything to deserve it? You ever felt jealous of what somebody else has? I'm telling let me just okay. I have to I have to work at it. I I, I, I if I let myself I could be jealous of Brother Jimmy C. Turner, the Turnbo, and that truck he's got. I'm telling you. What is it, 2006? 2006 Ford F-150, but it's only got 36,000 miles on it, and it looks brand new. Whoa. And he told me he was going to sell it, and I've been trying to figure out every way in the world I can how I could buy it. I've been trying to talk my wife into it. Thank God she's got some sense. Amen. But have you ever just felt like, man, just, I don't know, I'm just not happy. And there's really no reason for it. Amen. None of these, none of these things, when you look at them and really examine them, none of them really make any sense. But they're real. They're feelings that get inside of us. And if, if we don't do something about them, if we just leave them there unchecked, they have the potential to drive every one of us into self-destructive behavior. Because here's the thing. Your heart seeps into every conversation you have. It dictates every relationship. It impacts the intensity of your communication. It exaggerates your sensitivities and insensitivities. Everything passes through your heart. People have developed a language that describes how they feel when things like this get lodged in their heart. Have you ever heard anybody say, Man, I won't ever let anybody hurt me again. Or I'm, I'm through with people. I don't want anything to do with anybody ever again. Out of our mouth comes all of this junk. And it's all connected to a heart that has been wounded, a heart that has been pierced. And, and what I've noticed is that most of the time, these people that have these kind of feelings, they'll insist that you're the problem. Not them. It's, not, it's, it's you. You're the one that's causing the problem. Someone said one time, and I think it's absolutely true, hurt people hurt people. 
What we have to understand this morning is that our hearts, our mouth, I should say, our mouth is the stethoscope that listens to our heart. Jesus, in our scripture text, had been rebuked by the Pharisees because he and his disciples were eating without washing their hands. And in those days, that was a tradition of the elders. And it was something that had been passed down from generation to generation. And Jesus just sat down and they began to break bread and they began to eat together. And the Pharisees saw it and they were amazed and they were uh, upset about it. Jesus looked at those Pharisees and he said to them, don't you understand? It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. But it's what comes out of your mouth. Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come forth from the heart, and they are what defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. You better monitor your heart. Not just your behavior. Yeah, we need to change our behavior, but we need to also be looking at our hearts. What's caused us to act this way to begin with? I'm closing this morning. If you'd stand together with me, our musicians would come. I want to close by asking you this question. How are things with your heart this morning? I woke up in my bed this morning with a thought running through my mind. I got to my office and I sat down and I went to my Bible and, and I researched it a little bit. Jesus was teaching his disciples one day some of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And one of the parables that he gave to them was the parable of the sower and the seed. The, the, the sower who went forth to sow. He had precious seed, and the seed had the potential to produce an abundant harvest. But the problem was that the seed fell on different types of ground, and in most situations, it failed to produce any kind of a harvest. Now understand, the problem was not the seed. Everybody say that. The problem is not the seed. That's not the problem. No, 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 no. The problem is not the seed. The problem is the ground. The ground that received the seed. And there was one particular type of ground that kept going through my mind. It was the ground that heard the word, Jesus said. But because careful diligent, diligence was not given to protect the seed that was sown, he said the cares of this world, the thorns and the weeds sprang up and it choked out the word and it became unfruitful. I woke up with this parable going over and over in my mind. 
And it seemed to me what the Holy Ghost was saying in my heart was, you've got to protect your heart from the cares of this life. It is possible this morning for any of us to get so caught up in life. I'm not saying you're sinning. I'm not saying you're committing some some act, horrendous act that is against the Word of God. I'm talking about just getting caught up in life. All the bills we have to pay, the work that needs to be done, the places we need to go, the appointments we need to keep, we can get so caught up with all of that that the Word, the Word has no effect on us. I was praying in my office. I wept and I wept before the Lord. And I asked him, asked him to help me somehow get it into our hearts. You know what I've noticed? So, I, I, would, I, would, I would venture to say this morning that a large percentage of this congregation, by the time you get home today, you'll have forgotten what the Word of God was that was preached in the service. By Monday morning, it's gone. Tuesday, it's gone. Friday, it's gone. When you really need it, when, whenever you really need to get a hold of what the preacher preached, it's gone because the cares of life sprang up and it choked out the Word. I feel the Holy Ghost telling us this morning, We need to protect the Word of God. When it's sown into our hearts, we need to get our hoes out. You know what I'm talking about, you guys here that's raised gardens. You know what you do when you plant seed? You get your hoes out. You watch for those weeds. When they start cropping up in the garden, you, you dig them up. You don't let them just grow up. You dig them out. You get rid of them. This morning, we need to get rid of some weeds and some thorns that are threatening the Word of God that has been planted in our hearts. How is your heart this morning? What's going on in your heart? I'm not asking about your career or your family, your reputation or your finances. I want to know about the condition of your heart. And I know that that's, an, that's a, an awkward question. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Nobody's saying amen. It's okay. It makes us feel uncomfortable to look in and examine ourselves. But I'm asking you this morning to do it. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything. Just take a moment. Anybody here this morning that you're waiting around for somebody else to come and apologize to you? Got something in your heart against somebody because they didn't do it exactly the way you wanted it done? You're waiting on, or they said something to you and offended you, made you feel bad, and now you're waiting on them to come and apologize? That's not what the Word of God teaches. 
Hallelujah. What's in your heart? Let's bow our heads. It's time this morning to examine our hearts. I'm going to invite everyone to step out from where you are. I'm aware of the time. If I didn't feel this so strongly in the Holy Ghost this morning, I wouldn't do it. But, but I feel that we just need to take a few moments today and we need to allow the Holy Ghost to dig some things up in our hearts. Would you come, stand around this altar, kneel in the presence of the Lord and let the Lord examine our hearts and show us some things. Maybe the Holy Ghost doesn't have to show. You know what you know what's there. You know you know what's there. You've tried to hide it. You want to pretend like it's okay and nobody knows about it. But if you don't do something about it, it will grow and it'll get worse and it'll get worse and it'll get worse. Come on. this morning. We're in the presence of Jehovah. around. 